Are you ready for whatever this economic recession or soft landing or whatever it's going to be? Are you ready for it? Welcome to the Fab Lab podcast. My name is Ed Young, and I'm honored to be your guest host for this episode. As Aaron mentioned, he's taking some well-deserved time off, and he's going to return in a few weeks. So until then, uh, we'll be chatting together. I think we all agree that Aaron does just an awesome job of the podcast. I'm going to do my best to uh, rise to those standards that he's set. And I got to be honest, I'm a little worried about that. You know, I did the Sacred Cows guest host episode last year, and all of a sudden there were no more Fab Lab podcasts for a while. I thought I had, had really messed up. So I'm really glad to see Aaron's back on the air and, and glad to hear what he's been sharing with everybody. Past several episodes, uh, Aaron's been talking about how to improve your sales. And if you haven't listened, I really recommend you take the time to go back and review those episodes. There's some really strong, really pertinent, really actionable information that'd be a big help to you. So go back, go back and check those out if you haven't already. Now, what I want to do today is I want to add to that information. Uh, there's some metrics that can tie into some of what he's talking about that can really help with sales and marketing. Now, we've all got intuition about our businesses, about what market segments, what customers are most profitable. That intuition comes from years, even decades of experience. Now, when I talk about market segments, what I mean is retail or production builder or big box. Those are all different market segments of the markets that you, you provide. And you may cover several of those, or you may only focus on a couple. But we all know intuitively what works for our business and what doesn't. The question is, that I want to ask you today is, can you quantify how much better one specific segment or maybe even a specific contractor is for you than another one? Now, why is that important? Why isn't intuition by itself enough? And intuition's good. I'm not questioning your intuition. But the reason this is important is we're going to have some sort of economic slowdown. And it's coming at us. We don't know how deep or when or for how long. And obviously, it's going to affect different areas of the country in different ways and to different extents. And to deal with that, though, we're going to need to market better. We're going to need to sell much more effectively. This is going to require you to focus your efforts. And you may even need to spend some money on some of these. The question is, where do you spend that money? What market segments do you want more of? What type of contractors do you want more of? And obviously, you want more of the ones that are most profitable. As you spend money, obviously, you want the best return for that money. And that's where being able to quantify that best potential impact is really so important. It's critical. Intuition can be problematic. It gets influenced by emotion. It gets influenced by personal preference. Data doesn't. Data is objective. And when you're running your business, you want to make really good objective decisions. Before we dig into the details, let's hear a word from the sponsor of the Fab Lab podcast, the No Lift Install System. Hey there, Stone Shop owner. The current labor market definitely creates a problem for Stone Shop owners who are super busy and struggling to find employees. This creates an almost unimaginable problem for a stone shop who loses a highly skilled installer to an injury or to a better career opportunity in another industry. Imagine the impact to your schedule, profits, and morale if you lost your best installer at a time when your workload is at an all-time high. The cost to your company would be enormous. But there is a solution. The solution that over 1,600 stone shops have found. The no-lift install system. 
It dramatically improves install performance, employee retention, and quality of life for the installer. Not to mention reduced risk of broken counters, reduced dependency on shop labor, and lowering costs and improving profits. No Lift System is offering $250 freight discounts on systems purchased before the end of July 2022. So visit NoLiftSystem.com to get pricing and information. Again, mention this episode number and get $250 off the freight for your No Lift System. Visit NoLiftSystem.com today. All right. Well, in order to quantify your intuition and get away from some of the personal preferences and some of the emotion, we're going to need a few financial metrics. Now, you may have read some of my articles in Slippery Rock Gazette or on my website at fabricatorscoach.com. Uh, there's one in particular about not counting the square feet you, you produce. Um, and one of the metrics that I talk about in those articles is tracking throughput dollars. To give you just a quick recap, throughput dollars or throughput is the cash that a business generates. It gets calculated for each order. And what you do is you add up materials, uh, the freight for those materials coming in, sales commissions, contract labor, things that vary with each additional square foot. If a job's 80 square feet instead of 75 square feet, those numbers all change. Uh, If you do an additional two or three jobs per week, those numbers change. So these are costs that are variable costs. We call them TVC, totally variable costs. And they vary by the size and the number of jobs. And that's the throughput dollars or the cash that that order generates. And so you you get throughput dollars by taking the sales price, subtract these totally variable costs. What's left over is the throughput dollars. That's the cash that the order generates. Now, one way to validate your pricing is to look at throughput dollars. You can take throughput dollars as a percent of sales price for each order. And you can see the differences that you'd expect to see, like uh, retail should have a higher throughput percentage than, say, big box or production builder, for example. Those are things that you normally would see. And you use this to try to help, you know, to come in and help you evaluate some of your pricing structures. Um, But one of the good rules of thumb is that, like, if you're in retail and you don't have contract installers and your sales commission structure isn't really strong, it's in that pretty typical 2 to 3% range, then your throughput dollars for retail jobs should be running about 70, 75% of the sales price. Uh, if you've got a strong sales commission structure, if you do a lot of, um, have a lot of have installers as contractors uh, and you're selling to, uh, um, yeah, installers are subcontractors. And if you're selling to contractors and builders, then that Throughput dollars as a percent of sales price is going to be about 60%. So it'll this will help you um, evaluate some of your pricing structure. And I've also got a good article called How Much Work Can Your Shop Handle, where we talk additional, uh, talk more about different ways to validate your pricing structures. But when you start calculating throughput dollars, you know, obviously you're going to see the as a percent of sales, that's important for looking at your pricing structure. But what we want to get into now is to dive deeper and discover just how fast each market segment generates throughput dollars for you. That speed of throughput, we call that octane, just to give you a term, makes it a little bit of a shorthand here. Now, in order to calculate this, we need to know the installation time for the job. How many hours does it take to install a job? 
Now, this is the hours for the job, not the man hours. So if you've got a job that uh, a crew of two goes out and it takes them three hours to install the job, then the install hours is three. It's not three times two people, which is six. That would be man hours, and we're not talking man hours. So what we do is we take the throughput dollars for the job, and we divide it by the install hours for the job to get throughput dollars per install hour. And those install hours do include travel time. All right, we'll talk about travel time a little bit more in a minute, but let's walk through a quick example so you can see how these numbers get calculated and how they get used. Let's say you've got a retail job and the sales price is $8,000 for that job. I'll use round numbers so it's a little easier to walk through. Let's say when you add up your materials and your sales commissions, that your TVC for that job is 25% of the job. So 25% of 8,000 is $2,000. That means that 8,000 minus 2,000 is $6,000. And that's the throughput dollars that that specific job generated. So $8,000 job generated $6,000 in throughput. Let's say for that particular job that with drive time and install time, that total time was four hours for the job. So we'd take the $6,000 of throughput, we would divide it by the four hours, and we get $1,500 per hour. That's the octane for that job is $1,500 per hour. So now, how do we use this? What does this mean for your business? What's, what's the value of having this number? Well, there's several things. First, depending on the size of the shop, you want to take at least 20 or 30 jobs if you're a smaller shop and, and 50 plus jobs if you're a larger shop and do this analysis for those jobs. Make sure you're covering all your market segments, all your different contractors that you're working with, um, you know, all the different um, job types of jobs that you have. Make sure you cover all the materials that you have, the different configurations, raised bar tops versus not, uh, drop legs, drop edges. Uh, laminated edges, all the different types of configurations and get you a good sampling of all of those jobs and do this calculation. And what you're going to see is a lot of variability between these jobs. Here's where it gets fun. Take the, put all this in a spreadsheet and sort those jobs by octane, sort them from highest to lowest. And if you graph the result you'll get what's called a, a classic Pareto curve. Pareto was the 80-20 guy. 20% of your profit comes from 80% of your jobs. 80% um, of your, uh, yeah, and then 80% of your profit comes from 20% of your jobs. 80% of your problems come from 20% of your customers. Classic Pareto curve. And what happens and how we apply that to Octane is and that, and that curve, by the way, kind of looks like a kid's sliding board. It's if you graph them uh, from highest to lowest, if you sort them from highest to lowest and then graph them and you look at that graph, it's like a kid's sliding board. That left-hand side is really high and then you come down a, a steep curve usually and then a long tail off to your right. So it looks kind of like a sliding board. And what that means is you've got some jobs that generate really high levels of octane, throughput dollars per install hour. You'll also have a lot of jobs that generate a lot lower octane or lower throughput dollars per, per install hour. And I'll tell you, every company I've done this analysis for, 
in any industry, and I've done this in multiple industries, they all have this classic Pareto curve. I've never seen it not happen. So this is something you can pretty well count on when you do this. <clears throat> now, the fun part is how you start using this data. One is, is, is you'll start asking questions like, well, why are some jobs different than others? And one of the things that'll, that a lot of people will jump over really quickly is geography. How far did you have to drive to install that job? Um, and you already know this. If you're going to drive further, you can install fewer jobs in a day, you know, fewer square feet in a day. Uh, but did you know, are you able to put a number on how much that impacts the amount of throughput you can generate that day? You know, what's happening with, with a lot of folks these days is scheduling is getting tougher and tougher and tougher. You'll build a great schedule. And because of supply chain issues with cabinets and appliances, because of uh, employee retention issues with the contractors, uh, because of COVID and, and subs being out for quarantine, that sort of thing, schedules are just constantly in flux. I, I've, I've never seen it as bad as it is now. And what can happen is we start to accept that kind of as the new normal. And that's not something we want to accept as a new normal. It's really easy to say, okay, well, that's just kind of how it is. And we just deal with it. Yeah. I'm supposed to go, you know, temp, I'll go install this job tomorrow, but the contractor just called in the, because the painters had COVID now they're in there today. And now we've got to change the whole schedule, but knowing what the financial impact of that is for you, because now instead of driving out to this town and installing two jobs that are a half hour apart, now that install crew is going to pick up a different set of jobs, go out and install one that was already on the schedule. Now you're bumping somebody else up in the schedule so you can shuffle things around. And now they got to drive, say, an hour, hour and a half to go install that second job of the day. What's the impact in the throughput that you're generating that day? And, and when you understand those numbers, it can help you get motivated to, to reinstill the discipline that's needed in scheduling to, to keep that from happening as much as possible, not to accept that as new normal. It can also help you in some of your, your policies and some of your charges that you have for some of those changes that happen. You may decide, hey, this is having a huge impact. I've got to go in and, and start putting some fees on cancellation fees on some of these things. But at least now you've got whatever you decide to do with it, at least now you've got the data and you can quantify the impact. That's something intuition can't do for you. Okay. Now, one of the things is sometimes people will do this analysis, this Pareto analysis, and they'll look at geography and they'll stop there. Don't stop with geography. Sure, it's a big factor. But go in and do the analysis without the drive time numbers, just the install numbers. You'll see some interesting things more than likely. You go to the eastern part of the region that you cover and you notice that the octane is a little bit lower over there. Well, it's two hours away, and so drive time is making a big impact. Well, what if you took drive time out of all of your analysis and you notice that the contractor, the big contractor that you've been doing a lot of business with over in that eastern part of your region, all of a sudden that contractor's octane is low even when you take the drive time out of it compared to other contractors. You know, you, we've all got troublesome contractors, you know, that contractor who just can't seem to manage his schedules, contractor who always allows the customers to make last minute changes once you've already started cutting stone, things like that. Now you can start to, to quantify the impact of that and decide, 
how do you want to deal with that contractor? Uh, how do you want to price jobs for that contractor in the, in the future? And so that's one of the things that can happen. Don't just stop with geography. Drill further down. There's a lot to be learned there. Okay. Um, so schedule changes, geography, contractors, certain types of material. Uh, you follow any of the uh, online uh, Facebook groups uh, in, the, in the industry, people either love porcelain or they hate it. And porcelain seems to have more of a tendency to be brittle and to break, not just in fabrication, but also in install. Have more cracks, more chips, more problems. Uh, so if you start sorting your octane by your different material types, Sure, you may be por pricing porcelain higher because, you know, intuitively it's more problematic, but do you know how much more problematic? Are you pricing it appropriately to take care of those issues? So now you can start looking at types of material, uh, different kitchen configurations, miter drop legs, typically more on-site time to install those jobs, get them right, uh, raised bar tops in, in porcelain, any kind of raised bar top or full height splash. Can, you know, if you, especially if you're doing multiple trips to make those work, you can start sorting for those types of variables and understanding what the impact of that type of work is having on how fast your business can generate cash. So that's the difference in just knowing that it's different to knowing just exactly how much different, how much tougher, how much easier it really is. This gets really important when you realize, okay, we've talked about how fast your business generates cash, but we haven't talked about how fast your business burns cash. And the cash that you burn is called operating expense. Throughputs the cash you generate, and that's done per order. Operating expense is how fast do you burn cash every month, every day, every hour. And the way you get that, again, the articles talk a little bit more about it, but just to give you a quick summary, <clears throat> take several months of profit and loss statements. On the expense side, mark out all the things that you used in your TVC, total variable cost calculation. And what's left will be your utilities, your rent, all your productive labor, your salaried people, all your overhead factors. Add all that up, and that's operating expense. So you take several months, you total that for each month, divide by the number of months, get an average, okay? So that's the average rate at which you're burning cash per month. Divide that by 20 working days in a month. And yeah, I know you, you work some Saturdays and you got some months have more than 20 days, but 20 is a good conservative number, okay? If you're hitting that number on the 20-day calculation, then you're going to have some gravy in most months. So use 20, plus it's a simpler calculation, at least for me to do in my head. <clears throat> so divide that OE number by 20 working days and then divide that daily number. That'll tell you how fast you're burning cash every day. Then divide that daily number by eight to get how fast you're burning cash every hour. Compare that number, and I know you work more than eight hours in a lot of days, but let's just use eight again to keep it simple. That hourly cash burn rate, that OE operating expense dollars per hour, compare that to that octane number. In fact, go to your Pareto chart, take this operating expense rate per hour, and draw a horizontal line on your, on your Pareto chart 
where your OE per hour rate is. What you'll find is you've got hopefully a significant number of jobs above that line. What I know you'll find is a whole lot of jobs that are below that line. So that puts us in the question of, okay, we did the calculation on this one job. The octane rate was 1500 per hour. Is that a good number or a bad number? Well, if your business burns cash at the rate of $1,000 an hour, $1,500 per hour job's great. But if your business burns cash at the rate of $2,000 an hour, that $1,500 an hour job is not so great. And so when you start looking at what are the factors that drive the differences in octane for these jobs, and when you start trying to figure out how can I take jobs that are on the right-hand side of that curve, that long, slow, low tail on the right-hand side of that graph, and how can I get rid of some of that kind of work and go out and get more of the work that's on the left-hand side, that high part of the sliding board, how can I get more of that kind of work? What are those differences? What's the geography, which contractors, which market segments, what type of materials, what kitchen configurations, all those different things. When you start to understand that, then you're in a position where you can start making more money in your business without having any more jobs in your business. The same volume of square footage, the same volume of jobs per week, you can actually make more profit because you're starting to play to your strengths. You understand how fast your business generates cash and why. And then you start trying, then you start working to control those factors. With this view of, of, of your business, you can really start to drive the octane in your business. And this is going to start driving where you want to spend your marketing money. You, know, you, may have, you may have in your intuition thought, okay, well, the contractor work in general is pretty similar to, say, kitchen and bath work. And then you go through and do this analysis and find out that the kitchen and bath jobs are generating cash at a lower rate than your contractor's. And so if you're going to spend dollars on marketing and advertising and sales training in a, a, to get ready for economy that's going to slow down to some degree, then where do you want to spend those dollars? Well, if you did this analysis and the contractor segment is generating cash faster than the kitchen and bath segment, you probably don't want to go out and get a lot more kitchen and bath jobs. Those will be down on the right-hand side of that graph. The contractors will be closer to the left-hand, the higher side of the graph. That's where you want to spend your marketing money. That's where you want to train your salespeople to go sell. That's the kind of focus that you want to have. And that's what this data can do for it. You know, rather than trying to spread that money out to, to market to lots of different segments and cover a wide swath of the market, you can get really targeted and focused if you do it and do it well. You know, retail has got a, a higher price point, obviously, than probably all of your work. It should have a higher throughput dollars as a percentage of the sale. And you, and you may say, okay, well, this is a great, strong, profitable segment. It's great, but retail's got its challenges. And when you start doing this octane analysis, you may find out that retail isn't as good as you think it is. Or you may find out that, well, it's close, but it's not as strong as I thought it was. So what can you do about that? Do you get out of retail? Well, maybe, maybe not. You know, Aaron, uh, a couple episodes ago, had some really good information about setting, about qualifying customers setting expectations with the customer. He and I both talk about educating the customer because this whole process is just, Aaron calls it the wild west. It's just so unregulated, so unknown for most customers. 
And so there may be some things that you could do for something like the retail segment to reduce the problems and increase the octane for those jobs to make that a better performing segment for you. So a lot of different good aspects of this analysis. So it's not important to know just who your best customers are, but to also be able to quantify that understanding and then to sit down and do the analysis on what's driving those numbers. You know, if you're a smaller business, you can put all this into a spreadsheet and you can do some sorting and looking at this and, and do some quick graphing. And that's fine. If you're a larger business, you'll need a lot more data because you may be covering more segments and may have a lot more variability and you'll start wanting to run pivot tables, power pivots, and maybe even um, Microsoft Power BI to, to get into that type of analysis and build some dashboards. But however you do it, this is a really critical analysis to do in your business. You know, Aaron and I spend a lot of time talking about working on your business instead of in your business. And we spend a lot of that time talking about the operating side of the business and some of the people and management sides as well. And of course, lately we're both getting into the sales and marketing side. But if you take this octane view of your business and you combine it with the things that Aaron and I have been talking about, to me, I think this represents probably that highest level that you can get of working on your business. This is the ultimate way of driving your business where you want it to go. And I think as you start looking at, all right, how do we get ready for an economy that's going to be changing over the next year or two? We don't know what it's going to look like, but we've got to be ready for something. Uh, then, then I think this is a very, very powerful tool that's worth taking some time and looking at that. You know, Aaron and I both coach and assist business owners. Uh, and there are others out there that do the same thing as well. We're heading into some uncertain economic times. And, you know, Aaron and I both know that it can be really lonely at the top. It's really tough to be that person who's got to answer all the questions and make all the decisions. And you may decide that you need somebody to help you navigate these turbulent waters that are coming at us. So find a coach that you like. Find one that you understand. There, there's several that are out there. And find a coach that you think can help you with your business. Any good coach is going to give you a little bit of free time up front, an hour or two, something like that, and maybe even more, just to see if there's a good fit for both of you. Uh, expect that from any good coach or consultant that you would talk to. You can reach out to Aaron at AaronCrowley.com. You can reach out to me at FabricatorsCoach.com. Also, I would encourage you, if you're not involved, to get involved in one of the, the many industry groups that's out there. There are a lot of good ones. There are some free ones on Facebook. There are some industry groups that are, you know, that are not, uh, not really exclusive, uh, where the membership fees are $500 or $1,000 a year. It's not terribly expensive. Then there's some others that are much more expensive, but they offer a whole lot for what they charge you for. But however you do it, Get out there and, and talk with other fabricators, net with, network with fabricators, learn from each other. Really helps to have somebody who understands what you're dealing with, that understands what the challenges are, and can help you find the best answers to the questions that you have for your business, whether you're working with a coach or just talking with other fabricators. Now, if you want to do a deeper dive into more marketing and, and sales techniques for the countertop industry, I've pulled together a team that includes a professional marketing firm and a professional sales training firm that'll help you do just that. Starting in September, we're going to be offering a 10-week workshop. If you're interested in finding out more about it, hit Fabricators Business Academy 
fabricatorsbusinessacademy.com. That's fabricatorsbusinessacademy.com to get some more information. To continue this discussion on sales and marketing as we continue to help you get ready for whatever's coming down the pike from an economic standpoint, in our next episode, I've got a really special interview lined up for someone who's got tons of experience promoting companies throughout the countertop, countertop industry for quite a while. She's going to come in with uh, some really interesting and fun history, and she's going to have some solid recommendations that you really don't want to miss. So until then, happy fabricating.